Hello, and welcome to the Court of Owlets podcast. I'm Muse, and I'm joined today by Joe. Hello! And V. Hi. And it was not Agatha all along. It was Wanda, just as we suspected, and possibly something else, but we'll get into that. So, uh, if you can't tell by this episode's title and by my crappy introduction, uh, this week's episode is our final thoughts on Marvel's WandaVision. This episode, we're just going to go over the last three episodes of WandaVision and then give our overall thoughts for the current ratings of the show. IMDb is rated at a 8.2 out of 10, which isn't much different than the last time. And then Rotten Tomatoes is at 91% for critics and 81% for audiences. So those numbers really haven't changed. (laughs) Give it time. (laughs) For episode 7, which is the episode that takes place, of course, right after the Halloween episode, Monica plots her return to Inside of the Hex, Wanda navigates unsettling complications, and Vision forms an interesting new alliance. This episode was a bundle of interesting. There was just so much going on. You had Monica trying to get into the hex. You had Wanda having like an existential crisis on the inside and Vision meeting Darcy. Oh, that's what happened. I honestly could not tell you what happened in seven in episode yeah. seven or eight. Seven. I don't remember anything. <laughs> seven was the um, modern, family. modern family. Yeah, the modern yeah. family dealing with the boys uh her powers are clearly glitching things are going in and out of between the different decades so she's either more aware of what's going on or she's losing control of it and i think she was losing control over it because she was trying to stretch herself so thin because in the last episode she expanded the heck right but of course vision has to meet darcy i felt like that whole thing was kind of weird i don't remember that much Wanda kept trying to stop them. They were in a funnel cake car. It was strange. Yeah, he he was just trying to get, get back to Wanda to deal with everything, but mm-hmm. Wanda literally just kept putting up different roadblock after roadblock. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he remembered he was in a TV show, phased out of the car, and it still took him an entire episode and a half to find his way back. Yeah, pretty much. What was it even, Wanda? Because it was Agnes who wanted alone time with Wanda. So oh, true. It seemed like she was trying to get rid of Vision by making him go forward mm-hmm. and curious about the hex. Mm-hmm. I think Wanda was just having, like, depression fest. I don't think she was really doing anything. I think she wanted to not do anything. That one kind of started to turn for me. Because, like, before Wanda was kind of a victim and you, you know that she is in denial, but she gives off this perpetual... I'm running from something, I'm scared, I'm not sure what's going on, all I know is I love my husband and I want a normal life. And you feel for her, you're like, that's relatable, but like, at this point, her kid comes up to her and is like, mom, my head, I'm in agony, and she's like, uh, no, get out of my room, mommy doesn't want to be a mommy today. Yeah. It sort of started to break down. As in terms of like the formula, the formula was like, okay, this is a modern family office style episode, mm-hmm. but I don't think it fit perfectly within that format. 
it had been adhering so severely to that format, like the first three episodes. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking we would get like further and further away from it. But every time it tried to drag us back into the mockumentary style of filmmaking, it was just kind of jarring. It felt like it was slowing us down. Mm, It felt like you could really see the style over substance come through and it started to get a little clunky. Yeah, yeah, I think if they wanted to do something from the 2010s, uh, could have done something that maybe wasn't a mockumentary. Like, there's plenty of other types of sitcoms that aren't mockumentaries. It's ambitious, and I yeah. like the concept. I thought the concept of, you know, going through all these different formulas was great. It's what Community did, and I love Community. Oh, I you love know, Community. That- <laughs> yeah, and the way that they would integrate other styles of filmmaking... Um, and sort of parody other series was wonderful and it fit within the story Mm -hmm. with this we have this high stake magical scientific army psychological character study there's just a lot Mm -hmm. going on and then they're like but wait we need to interview people in a really clunky way and then they would just sit them down and they were supposed to say you know the joke that makes you laugh in a sitcom but nothing was funny Mm -mm. and like at first when when we said this before we were like the first three aren't funny people were like oh you know it's the style not everyone's gonna get it but like this is in modern times yeah and those shows are funny Mm-hmm. And everybody's seen them. And so now you're seeing their take on it. And it's like a, a worse version of that combined with a m- more patchwork version of a Marvel film. Which is shocking, too, because everybody is in agreement that actors do a great job in this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The chemistry amongst the characters are great. It's really just the writing and the direction. There were a lot of strong moments, but then there were still a lot of just things that were totally... I think there was a lot of tone deafness when it came to things. Like, no one knew what they were trying to write. Were there things you liked in this one? I liked Vision looking at the camera. That was kind of funny. And being like, I don't know. This this episode was definitely a bit of a transition episode, considering episode 6 was, like, huge. There was a lot more in episode 6. Really, I think it's the very beginning of the climax because in this one, she brushes off and sends the boys to stay with Agnes. She went over to Agnes's and we get the huge reveal that Agnes is, unless you know nothing about comics, it's Agatha Harkness. Which I feel like was a big problem because they focus so much on that. And for a lot of people, like myself, who do not read the Marvel comics... If you guys didn't tell me who Agatha Harkness was, I probably would have liked this episode even less. Because I would see this giant Monsters parody theme song, and I have no idea who this is. <laughs> it's true, the reveal is like, it was Agatha, and it's like, um... Who the hell is Agatha? <laughs> you didn't explain who Agatha is, you're not like slowly, ex- you know, shoving her in. It's just like, it's me, everyone! And it's like... Are we introduced? <laughs> because also, we don't know who Agatha is in this universe. No. no. So it's still just a cold, like... It's like if Monica was like, It's me, Photon! And we're like, who? Why are you doing that? But again, it's like what we were saying the last episode, too, about how they think they're going to be doing this big reveal, but we can clearly see behind the curtain. 
Yeah. I just don't think reveals are that impressive anymore. Like, we don't want reveals. We want timeless stories that stand up that we can rewatch. We just mm-hmm. want good plot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we rewatched Captain America the other day. It was good. And so, like, I mean, there are some things that are, like, fun to rewatch, but I don't think it's it's right to put all of your chips on a surprise because mm-hmm. we're not going to be surprised when we rewatch it. Yeah. No. Like, the reason you'd, you would rewatch this after recognizing the surprise is to catch the hints that they gave to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, unless it was, like, a shock factor surprise, like, episode three of Madoka. I'm not spoiling it for those who haven't seen Madoka, but if you know what I'm talking about, anime nerds out there, it's that in sitting on the edge of your seat because you know what's going to happen because Mm -hmm. it's so shocking. Um, And you don't want to see it again. But, like, this one was just, like, kind of campy. I did like her theme song. It was cute. I love the Munsters reference. Everyone loves the theme song. This is the best one out of the whole show. But it's, like, in terms of, like, excitement, especially because after hearing, like, all the constant theories... Yeah. I feel like it wasn't a shock to those who know Agatha. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know Agatha, it just led to more confusion. Yeah, definitely the reveal was not as shocking, especially for those who read comics or, like, had connection with comics. And my dad had no prior knowledge. When she said her actual name is Agatha Harkness, he was so confused. Yeah. She's not even, like, a very popular character in the comics, so, like, if you're just a casual reader, you still don't know who Mm -hmm. she is. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess we'll move on to episode eight. This is Wanda embarks on a troubling journey, revisiting her past for insight into her present and future. That's so vague. (laughs) Yeah, it's so vague. But that that was... I'm reading off the descriptions on Disney Plus's episodes. I have to admit, I did enjoy this one because we did get to see little Wanda and little Pietro and we got to see like a bit more of her trauma and understanding Mm -hmm. that but at the same time it's like I felt this was was them spoon feeding us. I called this episode in episode one. We knew all of this. Granted they were giving it to us in the forms of the commercials that we were seeing throughout. The commercials? Yeah. The toasters, the bomb, the hydra soak is the mind stone stuff and the hydra stuff. Like, each commercial in every episode corresponds with a different part of her past that she goes back into with Agnes. Oh, I, I just meant, like, from episode one, I, I called it being a grieving thing, and somebody is going to hold her hand and go through all five <laughs> stages. You did say that. Yeah. You, you seemed to think it was going to be a more benevolent intent, <laughs> I think. I was just yeah. expecting better. Yeah. Using that plot, fine. We, we've seen it a million times already. Just do something a little different. Mm-hmm. When we got the realism with Monica, I felt like we were going to get a little more of a grounded film outside of the Pleasantville situation mm-hmm. in Westview. Mm-hmm. I thought we would get a little bit more real world. But even the outside world is so cartoony. Even when they're, like, being bombed, they're like, oh, well, we'll just have a wonderful family evening despite the bombs falling, despite not having a wall. (laughs) It's fine, you know. Granted, I have never been in a war-torn country, but I would assume that if bombs are falling, maybe you would try not to be in the top of a building. Like, maybe you would move out of the way a little. It was cartoonish. It was cartoonish how they were trying to set up her childhood, how they lived. Just like the flashback for the Malcolm in the Middle episode Mm -hmm. was kind of cartoonish. 
even the the way the army functions outside is cartoonish. It's all like a huge caricature of how reality works and like I found personally found it like harder to suspend disbelief for this part of it than any other part Mm -hmm. yeah and I think a lot of us predicted that all of this was created because of Wanda's trauma she's been through a lot as we saw in that episode we didn't need to handhold through a lot of this I don't think and I think a lot of us could understand Wanda's grieving, processing not just her grief for Vision, but her grief for Pietro and everything that she's been through. You know what, you're right. Like, I I think what you're saying is is that, you know, all the subtlety they showed in this show, it seemed to be treating us like we were smart enough to figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then this one is like, like no, you're not. Let's explain to you everything. Step by step. Explicitly. We're going to take you on a montage walk. You want to go? Yeah. The one moment that I did like, and I think is still very quotable, is Wanda has that really sweet conversation with Vision. Him saying, like, grief is just love persevering. And you're like, Wanda needs to hold on to that. I think some of the other stuff before that was like, we didn't really need this. I didn't mind the, hey, let's see what happened after Endgame, where she comes busting into Sword, and we see that Hayward's just a lying bastard. <laughs> Which we all called that. We didn't need him at all. No. The, no. Whole, the whole Hayward subplot was so not necessary. No. It felt completely hollow. It turned into nothing. It's just a waste. But it might Cut bring that. back vision in a different way. So we still might. That's probably the only reason I brought this man in. I'm trying to remember the other flashback. Cause the other one, Oh, the other one was her creating the house and the hex around Westview. Well, and the whole thing about fusing with the Mind Stone and getting the glimpse of her Scarlet Witch outfit. Yeah, that too. The future of chaos magic. Mm-hmm. I appreciated a few scenes in that. I liked the moments when you see why she bonded with Vision because that was never really given proper time Mm -hmm. to develop. It was just like, you know those freaky kids when they get locked up alone in the Avengers Tower, things get weird. (laughs) But like, (laughs) we actually got to see um, how a human can bond with a robot. (laughs) 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 Even though, yes, yes, he's not a normal robot, but like... They both have been affected by the Mind Stone. They're already sort of soulmates because of that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the fact that he can understand her in a way that no one else can. And, like, that was a very quick, it was very condensed scene. That scene alone was all we really needed. Yeah. (laughs) The rest of the stuff, we could have had, like, even small glimpses of reused footage from the other scenes that Mm -hmm. Agatha could have remarked on like captain marvel style you know just a wall of images like we didn't need to have them make a pit stop everywhere they went like yeah i was kind of expecting and hoping for just like a quick fast forward because mm-hmm. we've already seen a couple images like that in the show right. yeah we with, did um with thanos ripping the stone out of vision's head wanda screaming all that stuff it would have been actually funnier instead of her going through the doors. <laughs> Agatha had like magicked up a TV and they sat down and watched through her memories. I think that would have been funnier. And then had like uh, Agatha sitting there with a remote control and fast forwarding through things like, ah, nope, that's not necessary. And like 
but I know they were probably like, oh, we don't want this to be funny. We need this to be serious because people have to understand this. But I'm like, you can still make light of certain things. It would work for Agatha because she would just be very dismissive. Her being like, ah, we've seen this, like fast forwarding through vision death scene in Infinity War. It could have probably stung more and we could have shown like Wanda's face just reacting harshly in the fact that Agatha just doesn't care. She's still like viewing her life almost as entertainment value. Yeah. But I think she was also trying to keep Wanda in a trance, so, like, too much commentary would be bad. Yeah. True. She was definitely trying to get Wanda to live in it, so I understand the concept. Once again, execution clunky, but I I get it. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed that they revealed to us how the hex began, not a place of coercion or trickery but as a straight-up, selfish sort of meltdown. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say all you want, like, oh, well, she's, you know, trauma. I was kind of hoping that we were giving Wanda an out, and we weren't yep. going to say that she was this person. Speaking of Wanda and her hex, uh, episode 9 is the final episode, and it's the culmination of this entire series. Um, Didn't they also go over Agatha's past and They did. Eight? We got mm-hmm. a bit of her past... From before she absorbed the energy from her coven of witches and because they blamed her for using dark magic which we see later is because of the dark hold which she has and the dark hold is book of dark magic that was created by Thon. it's essentially marvel's cthulhu eldridge beast mm. tight Xavier can add him to his little island. (laughs) (laughs) So Agatha and Wanda have a little fight. Kids run off. And then Vision shows up. But it's Hayward's Vision. White Vision. Mm -hmm. Who is in the comics. Because Vision... Multiple times Vision has gotten destroyed, dismantled, and has come back. And he's not the same at all. He's missing a lot of memories. But this one, of course, has Hayward's directives to kill her and the vision I'm trying to remember this episode it's been a while yeah he he rescues wanda he takes vision out of the picture basically so wanda is free to deal with fight Agnes. the witch yeah so the thing with vision and white vision that i'm a little confused about is that white vision's like oh i'm supposed to kill wanda but then he's fighting vision he's like my directive is to kill the vision and then they have an existential argument about who is the real vision is it the body or the memories yeah and then he's like i don't have memories he's like oh well i can give you memories which is interesting that i only just got i think they were the memories that wanda kind of had in her right He, he was the piece of the mind stone that's still in her because the, the white vision body is the original vision body that's been kind of Dissected. put back together. Mm. Right. Basically, he was just restoring the chip. It's still not the Mind Stone vision. It's just a synthesoid who has the memories that had been suppressed, just restored. So he just basically rebooted him. Yep. Yeah. Which the part that was confusing to me was he was like, ooh, I have to kill the vision. And he's like, you are the vision. Convinces him that he's the vision. He's like, I am the vision. And he takes off. And I'm like... But you were also supposed to kill Wanda. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. It's the sequel, Hope. <laughs> you have to be like, where'd he go? Because we'll never see him again. It was also kind of weird because there's no Wonder Man. And the original Vision, he gets his memories, you know, replaced by Wonder Man's. Right. Not his memories, but his personality. His brain waves, uh, everything. Yep. 
And this is a universe that completely looked at Wonder Man and said, not in a million years. You do not exist. (laughs) Everyone else but you, for some reason. Hawkeye, sure. Pim, alright. But not you. Poor Wonder Man. But yeah, it's it was interesting to see how they like dealt with that issue. If he doesn't go off to kill himself, which it's beginning to look more and more like he won't, mm-hmm. then you have a new vision running around. And I feel like without Wonder Man, he's going to kind of be like the Tom King vision, you know? Yeah. I'm interested to see where are we going to see this white vision show up in? Is it going to be Iron Wars? I'm kind of not interested in him without the Mind Stone, though. He's, <laughs> he's just a synthesoid that can be, like, yeah. manipulated at this point. That's kind of dangerous. And then there's no Tony Stark to help be like, hey, let me, uh, I don't know, put some massive firewalls in there. Yeah, but Bruce is still around, and he helped make Vision originally alongside True. Tony and Thor. Yep, so I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe got banner helping out but that's gonna be a long time coming i did like the moment in the library where he was talking with him because paul bettany just acting to paul bettany was really good person that he's been wanting to work alongside all of his life god (sighs) he's such a troll but he was acting parallel to the other actors directors you know like um what's the director in his name again matt shackman so matt shackman he was doing his own little trolling yeah. <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of lying that went into the marketing of this, which I'm not going to blame Tom Keane. I know he was part of this, but not everything in the world that's bad is Tom Keane's fault. <laughs> but Tom Keane also did this for Batman Catwoman. You remember? Mm-hmm. He's like, in Batman Catwoman, first issue, Batman and Catwoman are going to do it. You remember Batman Damned when they showed Batman's dick and everyone was like we have to buy this right now because it's going to be pulled and it's a limited edition. So people went nuts. Suppliers bought like tons of it. Absolute lie. Flat out. And that's kind of how the marketing for this felt on a lot of levels. It's just really poor. (laughs) But yeah I don't know if the Paul Bettany thing was just Paul Bettany being, well, Paul Bettany, or if it was because of marketing to be like, hey, let's try and get more hype. Oh, that won't culminate in disappointment later. Yeah. And of course, as mom and dad are fighting, the kids are stuck at home. (laughs) I'm very happy that they're like, no, we gotta go protect mom and dad. And they come out there and they're like, we're gonna have like this Incredibles moment. And the boys did next to nothing. Yeah. I was glad that they at least got to use them to stop the soldiers because otherwise, mm-hmm. functionally, as far as the story goes, they were pretty much entirely fan service. Yeah. yeah. They did nothing to help Wanda in her grief. She even stopped treating them like kids when it became inconvenient to have kids. I know. <laughs> it's like they're like pets. I liked seeing them. I was served as a fan to see them, but I wish that there had been a reason for them to be there other than to add more trauma to Wanda's life. Well, I thought they were pretty quick with the goodbye scene. Insanely quick. It was kind of like, yeah, bye guys. We loved being your parents for five days. See you around. (laughs) Remind me of the the Princess Bride. It's like, well, good night. You'll be dead in the morning. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, like, Wanda and Vision actually had, like, a really sweet moment while they're watching the hex come in on them. Like, that was a good goodbye. 
Was that a good goodbye, though? They did not say goodbye. They said goodnight. Good night, <laughs> but still. Vision just being like, I just wanted to take this time to know. I acknowledge the fact that you brainwashed an entire town. I still love you. He forgave her quick. <laughs> he was like, well, this is fucked up. And then he finds her and he's like, you'll make it right. Which she eventually does. I mean, she did not undo what she did. Because now we have a lifetime of trauma for kids who were trapped in their homes for five days. Almost equivalent to the amount of trauma Wanda has. But were these kids eating? Because they were like frozen puppets. Yeah. You can just hope it was like cryosleep. But it wasn't because everyone was having like nightmares. horrific nightmares and they were in agony. They were in actual real pain. How many days do you think that one woman was stuck outside her lawn dry cleaning her clothes? I, oh I would say just that one day. I bet the rest of the days she was put away like a, like a puppet in her closet. Way back in the toy box. Kind of like how the purple man in uh, Jessica Jones, remember when that little girl was inconvenient for him and he told her to go in the closet and she's like, but I have to go to the bathroom. And he's like, well, go in the closet. It'll be fine. And that's exactly the mood. These kids were all put in closets. They're not going to be okay. They're all malnourished, probably just soiled themselves entirely. And did Wanda apologize to anyone for this? Yeah, no. she apologized to Monica. You know, the only one that could possibly accept her apology. Yeah, because Monica was brainwashed the shortest amount of time, and Monica <laughs> exactly. already told her that she was forgiving her before she was even asked to. I know. They'll never know what you sacrificed. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the Wanda and I think the show tried to justify her brainwashing these people because Wanda was trying to justify even in that episode where she's like, I made your life better. I made you happy because she felt happy in this world. And they're like, no, you're manipulating us. We can't sleep. Blah, 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 blah. Because they did look miserable. They looked very miserable in that town. I 100% thought it was going to turn out that they were being manipulated, that they were being puppeted by Agnes, first to make Vision paranoid, and then to make Wanda feel bad, because a hero wouldn't do this. And so I was thinking absolutely 100%, it's going to turn out that Wanda's being manipulated. Because like we were attached to Elizabeth Olsen, right? She is Mm -hmm. sweet, she's wonderful, and she's having great times with Vision, and you're like, oh... They just want to be together, and you want them to be together, and you want them to be happy. And then they're like, oh no, it was Wanda all along. She, <laughs> she's the monster. But don't worry about that. It's not framed like she's a monster. It's framed like you're supposed to still be on her side after you discover that. When she does her, her Cersei walk of shame through the yeah. town, and yeah. she gets to Monica, Monica says straight to her face... These people will never understand what you sacrificed for them. Excuse me? That just ruined her character so much for me. I'm sorry. Are they the bad guys now? Are they the townspeople with pitchforks? She didn't even say sorry. I want you to get up there. I don't care if they throw eggs at you. I want you to get up there and tell them, I was wrong. I am sorry. How can I help make it up to you? And then I want you to stay and fix whatever you broke. Unless they tell you, please get away yeah. from us. We don't want to ever see you again. That's how you can fix it. Yeah, By that's leaving. fine. Yeah. yeah, that would have been a fine end scene because then you would have some growth. 
but she never apologizes. She never takes responsibility. She runs away, much like some other Tom Keen characters, <laughs> Wally in Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let whom, me cover up this murder real quick. Yeah. Or Batman when his town gets taken over and Alfred dies because he runs away. It's a perfect time to go to Hawaii. Exactly, with his girlfriend. Or even in The Vision, when Vision's wife, Viv, straight up murders a man, and then she says, don't tell your father, and she covers it up, which leads to a ton of other cover-ups, because none of these so-called heroes take responsibility for the actions, which is the baseline of a hero. It's yeah. the first thing. That's why when people saw that, they were like, that's not Wally. Because Wally would take responsibility for his action no matter mm-hmm. the consequences. We don't really see Wanda do anything no. heroic in this whole thing. At all. Like, by the end of this, okay, yeah, she drops the hex. She, yes, accepts her trauma. But we really don't see that very much. Like, we do see a bit of it throughout her fight with Agnes of her finally being like, you know what? I'm done with this pity party on myself, I need to put a stop to this. And you're like, okay, good for you. Round of applause, Wanda. We've finally moved on out of our grief. Um, What about the people that you've just mind enslaved for about a week? Oh, you're just going to walk away? Other heroes that have been in that situation, they didn't run when the cops showed up. They turned no. themselves in, and then they served time as a form of penance. Like, okay, the Monica line, if you want her to sympathize with Wanda, instead of saying... They won't know what you sacrificed. Maybe say they won't know what you've been through. Would have been a bit better. They did because (laughs) they flat out said, "We've seen your nightmares. We felt your pain." Okay, then never mind. They they have they have experienced your trauma, so never mind. (laughs) There's no good way she could have just said nothing at all. Yeah. Or she could have said, these people will never forgive you for what you did. In- <laughs> 180 meters. The exact 180. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself, Wanda. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, just more like a warning and instead of like a finger-wagging, like, mom voice, but be like, you might want to leave because... They're not mm. going to I just don't think there's a way you. to save this. If, no. If there's you, not. If you wanted to save this, you had to have Wanda to be the victim. It had to be yes. Agatha all along. It really did. Or Agatha manipulating whatever dark magic from the Darkhold. Exactly, because this is very dark um, stuff. What we could have done, uh, I think you might have predicted that Agatha was controlling the people, but Wanda was controlling the Hex. A friend of mine had mentioned, like, maybe we're going to get the Darkhold show up before we even saw the Darkhold in Episode 7, and that it would be, like, something to do with Mephisto, because there was a bunch of references to her being Agatha Harkness, and they kept mentioning, like, her anniversary with her husband was the day of the Salem Witch Trials, which we see later on is the day when she took out the power from her coven, but it was, like, maybe she what had a connection with Mephisto and was using the powers of the Darkhold to communicate with him and she was manipulating Wanda to get power to maybe free Mephisto or something along those lines which maybe we still don't really know it's so weird because this series ended so ambiguously okay yeah she comes into her own as the Scarlet Witch I do love her outfit Mm -hmm. I have to put a lot of props on the costuming and then she's like, oh, Agatha, you're too much of, like, an important thing. 
I'm going to completely mind manipulate you and you're going to be the nosy neighbor for the rest of your life and I'm going to come get you when I need you. And that's when she dropped the hex. That was cold. You haven't learned anything, girl. Because yeah. you just went and like mind whammied Agatha. It would have been different if Agatha was really actually manipulating Wanda like we thought she was mm-hmm. and her being like kind of pulled like with an avatar where it's like I'm going to remove your bending thing instead of killing you it's like I'm going to remove your memories and keep you here because I don't want to kill you because I'm not a bad guy but I might need your knowledge someday so I'm just gonna kind of put you in a corner watching her beg like that and then Wanda just happily like sadistically taking her free will away from her kind of reminds me of Miss Martian in the Young Justice cartoon where it's like I can do this full-on mind wipe thing yes it's bad I know I shouldn't do it, but it's a bad guy, so it's okay. Yeah, that's that's the same mentality. I was wondering why I was like, why does this sound oddly familiar? Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, that was just proof that she did not learn a lesson, and that it would have been different maybe if she had said, oh, please don't kill me. I'll do whatever you want, because the character herself asked for it, mm-hmm. instead of, like, as opposed to, like, death. But instead to see her just begging and groveling anything but that, please don't take my free will. And she's just like, yeah, you're going to lose your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I mean, it's not the typical Marvel method when somebody dies. I don't like the Marvel method. It means that villains can't really come back. The only villains that have come back have of course been like loki has made his return a baron couple of zemo times. made his return now agatha's still alive because they're probably not done with her so oh, yeah. yeah they put her in a nice little dollhouse grab you when we need you and that ending kind of felt tacked on too mm-hmm. like just the i don't really know but the plot needs wanda there and we need the vision there forget about the rabbit don't think about the rabbit and again, for the people of Westview that watched this giant battle, so now they're like, oh great, we're still going to be living with one of them? I do not think that's a safe environment for Agatha, personally. No. I would not have left her there. I feel like that's that's the beginning of a hate crime. That's what's going to happen next. Well, what's going to happen is in Doctor Strange 2, Wanda's going to have to go back to Westview to pick up Agatha, and it's going to be like, oh, we killed her. <laughs> brought back burning people at the stake (laughs) didn't you know (laughs) don't you remember wanda you've just made her the nosy neighbor so she was powerless and we thought we better kill her before exactly before you come back (laughs) i think our rewriting session has taken like a turn oh god (laughs) but another character that was just the biggest red herring was pietro turns out it was ralph boner I call bullshit. Well, let's go over the clues here. So, Monica is trapped with this dude bro who's trapped in a personality of, like, a puka-wearing sandal, (laughs) I don't know, hippie. And he's just like, let's chill out here. And she's trying to escape, but he still has his super speed, and he's stopping her from leaving. And she says the weirdest thing to me. Okay, first of all, her powers, she doesn't use them properly until the plot needed her to she yeah. just stayed yeah. there like, like a it's, good kid. it's one the jack jack situation in the incredible yeah. sequel 
she uses the right power at the right moment. And here's the thing, too, is that she seemed to know how to use the powers right away. You know, she's been using them perfectly up till now, but it's like, oh, I'll let this punk keep me here for a while. And then she's like, okay, well, he's fast, so I just need to get close to him, and then I can beat him up. He doesn't seem to be the brightest bulb, so that's she does that pretty quickly when she decides to do that. So she walks over to him. He can't move fast because she punches him whatever and she just says the weirdest thing to me she says how is she controlling you and then her magic eyes light up and she goes ah it's the necklace and she takes it off which is so weird because these two women have been controlling people without any magical artifacts this whole time and by the way this woman doesn't know anything about magic no yeah she's not a magician she is she barely knows anything about herself She's a sciencey lady. She lives in that world. We don't really get a lot of information about Monica, which is a pity, because there's a lot of padding in this. So Monica sees a headshot with the name Ralph Boner on the bottom corner, and she's like, oh, is that who you are? Are you Ralph Boner? And he goes, Boner. (laughs) Which I've never heard a person react to their own name like that. And then we're just cut away. You gotta be a a special kind of dumb to just see your last (laughs) name every time and just think that. Yeah, and the other weird thing is once the hex drops, any kind of mind manipulation should end. So whoever this guy is, could this guy actually be Ralph Boner and this whole thing of like him being the quicksilver from the fox universe just be a huge red herring because they're technically she also finds like a water bill with the name ralph boner on it but at the same time this whole world has been reality i was just gonna say agatha could have like warped some things but we don't see him afterwards they don't even hunt him down she doesn't even try to punish him no even though he kidnapped monica and did play a part in her manipulation yeah. He played her dead brother and got close yep. to her kids and betrayed her. And she's like, yep. nah. Too fast. <laughs> Can't catch him. Mr. <laughs> yeah. Speedy Gonzalez. The weird thing is the fact that the abilities stayed, it seems like. I don't know if Agatha could give him those abilities if she wanted to manipulate this Pietro. That's why I feel like in terms of our bet... It's not over yet, because we're still left open-ended about him. And we're on the cusp of the multiverse. So they're about to open up the whole doubles, triples, quadruple Mm -hmm. persons, uh, doppelgangers. I think he might turn out to be exactly what Joe predicted. Like, obviously, Multiverse of Madness is the next movie she's going to be in. We also have Loki, which is also dealing with alternate realities and timelines. And then uh, Kang the Conqueror is showing up in uh, the next Ant-Man film. Right. Hi, another time travel multiverse person. Like, he's from an alternate timeline. Ten Bucks says we get very sick of the multiverse before the end of this. (laughs) Probably. But, oh, one thing. Darcy shows up for five minutes. Not even. Yeah. Two seconds. Oh, yeah, two seconds yeah. to drive a, a tank into another tank. And she says, have fun in jail. And that's all she does. And then she pisses off too. It just seemed like they really needed to wrap it up. But at the same time, it's like, where is Darcy? And then they said, oh, Darcy just didn't want to stick around. Okay. Darcy doesn't like goodbyes. Darcy sucks. I guess it kind of fits in her character, but maybe there's something up with Darcy. 
I also did like uh, that we got to see a little bit more close-up magic before the end. <laughs> yes, Jimmy Woo and his close-up magic. If you told me that a side character from freaking Ant-Man would be my favorite character in the whole series, <laughs> I would have been like, you're wrong, there's no way. And it's probably that that Latino guy. What's Michael, Pena. <laughs> Michael Pena. Just yes. coming in, doing his stupid explaining montage nonsense. Nope. Honestly, if Agatha brought Michael Pena in to do the recap of Wanda's life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would have loved this so much more. That would I would have, have bumped this show up to a, a whole mess. two stars. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Jeez. That would have been funny. Aside from Jimmy, Monica probably was the standout reason for this. Monica's yeah. development was so intense. Like, she was nowhere to be seen before this. We introduced a brand new character. We gave her kind of an arc where she... A little bit. Not really. I mean, we didn't have enough enough buildup to know who she was. We know that she is that girl from Captain Marvel, but we don't know what kind of person she is. We do know that she lost her mom. We know that she came back from the blip. And we know that she feels underappreciated and she's empathetic and she takes charge, and she has superhero qualities, and now she got superhero powers. And so I would say that she grew the most in this, and we did not get enough of her to actually make it a good superhero origin story. I feel like she kind of got robbed by being a side character in this whole thing. And then having to say that ridiculous apologetic line. It was very weird how she didn't empathize with those victims at all. Honestly, I felt like this entire show just served the purpose of being a setup for the rest of the MCU. But again, there was an article from Kevin Feige who said that he didn't want to put a lot of important stuff in these TV shows because he feels a majority of the fans only watch the movies. Well, then let it be a standalone. This liminal space was really weird. Yeah. I felt like I was in a waiting room. I feel like you need to care the same amount about your stuff. Yep. You know how insane your fans are. (laughs) They will watch anything you throw at them, good or bad. Yep. Even still, with the stuff that they put in WandaVision, she's going to be the villain. I'm sorry, I'm calling it now. Wanda's going to be the villain of Multiverse of Madness with how they set her up in this. She's going to have her little redemption in Multiverse of Madness because we see her in that little alpine hut, astral projecting herself, reading from the fucking dark hold. The same way Doctor Strange astral projected to Mm -hmm. multitask in his movie. But he did it while he slept. Wanda's doing it while she's awake, which shows how strong she is and looks very similar to the Wanda depiction in the Darkhold where there's a bunch of different like orby things around her as she's studying it and you're like yeah and she hears the voices of Billy and Tommy cry out to her and one thing if you notice in her eyes it's not a solid red like it normally is there are two red dots in her eyes she's looking for the souls she's looking for her sons I don't know about full on villain i could see more anti-hero approach because she is on a mission to rescue her kids obviously dr strange is probably going to be like wanda this is not good but i don't think he's gonna take her down like i would say it's more like they're gonna meet up even though he's sorcerer supreme and he's supposed to 
know everything that's going on on Earth. I don't think he knew what was going on in Westview. So I think he's going to see, oh, fellow Avenger, I am also on this path. Let's go together. And then she's going to start using more chaos magic type of things or maybe more things with runes. And he's going to question her where she learned those types of things. I mean... Maybe? If someone sees Wanda as she is in like Multiverse of Madness, the strong, slightly more corrupt version, they're gonna be like, "When did this happen?" And it's like, "Well, you gotta watch Wanda Vision." So they they're still putting important things in these shows, Feige. You can't just say, "I don't want to put important things." Then don't make them shows. Make them movies if you don't think people are gonna watch them. It was just a very long movie. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, if not. Who cares if somebody, like, w- make them shows? Sometimes I think these, like, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think it's going to work better as a show than it is as a movie. I think that in terms of predicting what might happen in Multiverse of Madness, do you think that the boys will play a pivotal role, like, her search for those kids? Do you think she'll open up a gate to hell? Do you think she'll be, like, a true chaotic neutral? I think she's going to be looking more through the multiverse to find versions of her sons that exist, but at the Ooh. same time... Ugh. I don't care about the ones I, I left. I'm fine with any version of them. You think she's going to be the kingpin from the Spider-Verse? Actually, no. Because <laughs> someone said that, and I was like, that's just weird, because those aren't her... Like you said, it's not her kids. So I guess she might also be going through the multiverse to find where they actually went. Maybe she's trying to find the souls, no different than in the comics where the souls were souls in Mephisto. And then after like West Coast Avengers, well, actually I think it was actually after House of M, the souls went and Mephisto didn't have them. And they just kind of went into the ether of space time. And that's when they found themselves in their new host, but they were already teenagers. They were already kids maybe the souls did something very similar to what they did in the comics where they couldn't go into like a new body kind of thing they had to go find a pre-existing one i mean that did set a weird precedent um that she can like create souls yeah she can but create she can't life. create bodies yeah because she couldn't create anything to house the mind of a vision Regardless, I knew when they were going to introduce um, Wiccan and Speed, good luck trying to make their backstory make any sense because it is weird. Out of all of the Young Avengers characters, those two were definitely the more complicated story besides Teddy. Teddy also has a bit of a... Teddy... Hulkling. Right. His story is more important on other people. (laughs) Well, now that we're bringing up the schools as like a mainstay group for the the universe maybe yeah they all collectively decided yes we'll follow nick fury the human yep (laughs) and we'll definitely see monica on that uh scroll spaceship soon the next one she's going to show up in is going to be captain marvel and let's hope she has some better writing in that is it captain marvel 2 yep is there a new director (laughs) i don't know who's directing is there a new actor playing (laughs) captain marvel One could hope. <laughs> but speaking of characters showing up in the movies, because I know we it's said, oh, heard. Wanda's going to be in Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> I don't think that we're going to get the reveal of Wiccan and Speed in Multiverse of Madness unless they have them casted and they're like, we're going to hold on because we got to wait for WandaVision. They can recast those kids. Instantly. Instantly. Not that. They haven't gotten like teenage versions of them. That you know of. 
Yeah, th that I know of, because they're probably waiting for WandaVision to finish before they maybe announce something spoilery. What they need to get are those 30-year-old actors who look like they're perpetually 12. Just get Hugh Jackman with giant boat shoes attached to his knees. What? What? So he can play a little kid. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Disney, call us. <laughs> So, what does everyone rate this show? Let's start, of course, with Joe. I know his rating has not changed. One out of five. <laughs> v? Very confident. Uh, two out of five. Um, <laughs> I can't do mine on like a five-point scale, because I feel that it's too constricting. Okay, we'll do a ten scale. One out of ten. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Three out of ten. I'm going to say closer to 7 out of 10. Nice. I think it was really the acting and the references I found were were good. I liked hunting for them and Billy and Tommy were there. But there was a lot of useless stuff in there that. There was too much and a lot of the times they took the path of least resistance and a lot of repetitive tropes. It was really disappointing to see all the good fan theories and then see that and you're like, ew. <laughs> Well, especially because they noticed all the fan theories that were coming around. And changed the ending. Because they, did? they didn't like that the fans were right. Well, Wait, I don't know if that's the why. Ending? They did change the ending. There were supposed to be ten episodes. What? There was an interview with Kevin Smith where... Ugh. <laughs> oh, you don't like him? No. Okay. Well, there was an interview with him. <laughs> and the director was saying how fans figured it out too early. They had an alternate ending planned, but they cut it down to streamline it. He kind of made it sound like it was the fans um, that made him change it. And I think a lot of people on Tumblr lost their minds. Yeah. But I also think maybe it was just because it was too clunky and they were trying to streamline it. But it does okay. end pretty quick. So... <laughs> I'd go with either theory. Yeah. The big thing that, like, he changed was the hint about the Monica's reference of the aerospace engineer. Hmm. He changed that? Yeah. Who was it supposed to be? Do we still not know? Well, I think people said it was Reed, Reed Richards, Richards, and so he was saying it absolutely wasn't Reed Richards. That was too good. I think the idea was that it was, um, it would let people down. I can't remember why he said it, but he said it wasn't Reed Richards. Because of them changing stuff midway through, I'm I'm really gonna reduce my rating. It's a five now. You just thank <laughs> yourself by like midway through just changing it because you were upset that the fans predicted stuff. I'm sorry, you took two episodes of Lita. The like, other was Agatha's bunny, Senior Scratchy. Apparently, he was gonna be hiding a dark secret, and the scene was shot, but the visual effects weren't completed, so the viewers didn't get to see it. It was um. Senor Scratchy being uh, down where the kids were being held hostage, and they would go try to look at, at the bunny, and then when they reached to pet him, of course he would hiss, and then he would transform into a demon, sort of like, you know, the American werewolf in London kind of thing. Just oh, okay. absolute disgusting transformation. They thought, never mind, it's going to be a detour to the plot of the show. I wish they no, had that same not. train of thought for a lot of other things that we didn't need to see. I wish they'd thought about that when they introduced that 
idiot bureaucrat who was supposed to be the main antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> this guy was so dumb. I could not take him seriously. Every time he was on screen, he's just like, I'll get you, Wanda. Like, he was so angry. And it's like, we gotta all act super crazy because we're the military and we don't make sense. <laughs> like, his motivations were so confusing. His methods were confusing. His deceptions were confusing. We know he's a bad guy, but we don't have any idea what's going on or why he's doing anything other than to be, like, a Spy Kids-level bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of was. Like, I think the... Okay, he's paranoid because he survived the blip. So he saw a world without heroes. He saw a world with all of this. Like, so he tried to step in and take over where S.H.I.E.L.D. failed. Like, I kind of... I get that, but, like, that's it. That's all he has. He activated white vision, which was weird, because he doesn't really understand how this technology works. He's admitted that. He wants yeah. to turn on Ultron Jr. without a Mind Stone, a soul without a conscience. It has no remote control capabilities. But he's like, I want to set this bomb off right now. Why do you want <laughs> the bomb to go off? Ah. But... Also, speaking of Vision, he shows Wanda the dismantling of Vision. Mm -hmm. To set her And it's off. like, dude, it's been five years. Did you do this on purpose? Yes. Yes. Have you had Vision this long? Yes. Like, yes. How did you get Vision? Because I'm evil. Why does Tony Stark not have Vision? Tony Stark's dead. No, before that. Who had Vision before Sword? Did Sword always have Vision even after Vision died in Wakanda? The Avengers probably collected the scraps of his remains and uh, probably gave it the sword because they're like, oh, we're just like S.H.I.E.L.D. I thought they buried him and they dug him up. I would not be surprised. The point was they couldn't turn him on. So they baited Wanda into coming to get her angry enough that she would use her powers and then they could use her powers, which they assumed were created by the Mind Stone, to reactivate Vision. Yeah. However, bigger problems are at work than turning him on, such as controlling him, such mm -hmm. as what are you going to do with him? Do you want the angry witch to kill you? What are you thinking? As this continues on, they do not retreat, they do not introspect, they do not think, are we being stupid here? No. They are like, we have a gun, and we are going to use the guns, and we're going to turn this guy on and make him kill Wanda. There's no next step. We're not thinking about how that's going to look to the public. We're not thinking about what's going to happen later on. It's like that guy from Iron Giant. Iron Giant? <laughs> it's just like, where's the bomb, man? It's like, it's just, it's chaos. At no point is anyone, like, questioning him other than these three plucky weirdos. Everyone else is like, yeah, this makes sense. We're totally down with turning on this crazy violent robot. I mean, they're also just not the brightest bulbs because they're completely accepting of that the same way that they accept watching a show and they're like, oh, Wanda's able to have twins with a robot. What's it's, that about? There's a lot going on at all times and like they never focus too hard on any one thing to develop it. So you just have like constant visual stimulation. And I think if you're casually watching the show and you're not really like comprehending what's happening, but you like the visuals... It's you fine. just tune out mentally. Yeah. 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 It's a totally great show to, like, just fold clothes to, because you're like, uh... Well, that's sitcoms. Yeah. But you it, just yeah. play them in the background, you know what's going on. But it wasn't funny. It was no. high quality. The acting was dope. 
on some people. I will not include the kids, and I will not include Agnes. I don't care what anybody says. They're like, oh, she's so great, but, like, after she drops the hacky housewife routine, she's still chewing the scenery. Yeah. Like I said it in the last episode. She plays the exact same character in everything she's in. Yeah, she was doing the Parks and Rec character yeah. the whole time. Ah, I hate kids. <laughs> Aren't I quirky? You're like, can you close your mouth? Stop it. Also, I swear Agnes has been was manipulating Wanda to have kids, too. There was so much subliminal messaging. Well, like I said in the last one, I was like, she did it most likely just to test Wanda to find the extent of her powers. But that's never explicitly stated either. And we never saw that Wanda wanted kids before this. I know she wanted a house no. and she wanted vision, but... The kids were a surprise. Like, whose idea were the kids? Sitcom life. You need that happy family medium. She needed to make it to season two. Yeah. But, yeah, that was WandaVision. <laughs> Do you think you'll rewatch it? No. We know you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think initially I was pl- possibly going to rewatch it just to maybe catch some more of the references once the series was done. But with how it ended, I do feel let down a lot with this show because it just didn't go anywhere yeah it was weird if you listened to our last interview uh i was really excited yeah i was on board i was like i cannot wait to see where you take us because this had a lot of potential and to see what they did with it was kind of like oh yeah all right and now i'm worried for the other marvel shows yeah i'm not i don't feel like super as concerned for the falcon and winter soldier I'm actually more worried for Loki than anything because I'm like, it's also in a similar vein of like yeah. a lot of referential humor. This show is just going to be a lot of information and a lot of probably going nowhere because they have stated over and over again, Loki is dead. This is pretty much Tom Hilson's swan song. That's a bummer. Kind of like Black Widow. Yeah, it's a lot of dead ends. For, um, for both Natasha but... and Tony because Tony makes an appearance in that. Oh, good for him. I do kind of wonder, though, like, like who is it? Is it the director swinging his right around? Is it Kevin Feige himself? <laughs> Are the writers to blame? Who's doing this bad of a job? Because some people are doing really good work on these shows. Yeah. They deserve more. I just wonder if, like, you know, obviously we're not going to get Shackman directing anything else, I don't think. I don't think so. But do we know who the directors are on the other things? The only one I know is not for the the TV show. It's for Doctor Strange, and that's Sam Raimi. And then I know Taika is coming back on for the next Thor film. And, of course, James Gunn is going to be on the next Guardian. Kate Heron is going to direct the Loki film. I do not know her. Falcon and Winter Soldier is Carrie Skoglin. That name I've heard don't actually know we'll definitely figure out if it's Feige if it's the the next phase in general or if it's just the tv show directors yeah maybe this is like we realize marvel should just stick to the the movies area and not so much diving into television which is a bummer after we had to say goodbye to daredevil and yeah. the defenders that had potential well, I have Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm so excited. Coming out next Friday. After. <laughs> After the other thing you have Falcon to watch. Winter Soldier yeah. is going to be such a palate cleanser. Oh my god. From Zack Snyder's Justice League. I was genuinely excited about that flight scene. Oh yeah. That was beautiful. The cinematography was lovely. Mm-hmm. So there were comics out this week. 
some were not good, but we got some more coming out for next week that might be more promising. Listen, guys, I really wanted to cover comics this week. <laughs> I wanted this WandaVision episode to be a bonus episode. I wanted to cover some new DC comics post-Infinite Frontier. I read what came out, and I wasn't expecting, like, oh, this is going to be great. We're just going to jump right back into it. <laughs> no. I, I was expecting, like, okay, this is interesting. I would like to read more. A solid three out of five. Not even a three. Wow. Listen, Wonder Woman is doing an Asgard thing. John is complaining to Clark that he's not ready to be Superman. Batman is doing a horror thing with the Scarecrow and also setting up the Magistrate thing that we see in Future State. It's a mess. And Batman Urban Legends was just really, really bad. I had nothing good out of that. Okay, so you know I'm a horror fan. Do you think I would like the Batman one? I mean, like, when I say horror... It's really, it's the first two pages is just really cringy to look at for me because I have a thing about metal being really close to eyes and like uh, keeping things open. Because they went with like the, yeah. the video game version of Scarecrow with the needle that, fingers. Well, it reminds me of Arkham and Batman the New Adventures cartoon when they revamped him. Oh, right. <laughs> to make him edgier. Yeah. <laughs> But I will say, the backup Robin story done by Joshua Williamson, that one wasn't bad. Oh. You saw a little bit of that, actually, when I was reading it. Right. You liked the art in it from no Gleb Melnikov. Okay, I believe you. At least for you. Talia. So anyway, that came out <laughs> last week. Coming out next week, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, DC only has seven titles. Ooh, uh, Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I just made the scarecrow sound. <laughs> <laughs> completely unintentional please continue <laughs> so we have neil adams batman versus rachel ghoul number five i thought that thing ended catwoman number 29 still being written by ram v justice league 59 being written by brian michael bendis the art being done mm -hmm. by david marquez looney tunes number 259 nightwing number 78 being written by tom taylor and the art being done by uh, bruno redondo Superman Red and Blue number one. I was so excited for this a couple months ago. This is very similar to the Batman Black and White, Harley Quinn Black, oh, White, and Red. Sweet. Bunch of compilations of Superman. Not as many stories as the Batman ones. Now that I actually know these writers, thanks to Future State, mm -hmm. not looking forward to it. Oh. Aww. I would be happy to be surprised. Dan Waters, I know he did a Future State title that we didn't like. John Ridley is going to be doing a story. Hmm. Maybe he does one about Jimmy Olsen. The whitest <laughs> I think Steve Lieber know. is going to be probably doing one with Jimmy Olsen because he's on this story as oh, well. Oh, no. John Ridley <laughs> is partnering up with Clayton Henry, the guy that gives everybody giant foreheads. Oh, man, that guy. Forehead man. And uh, Marguerite Bennett also has a story in here. Well, how does she keep getting work? Yeah. But Gary Frank is doing the front cover, what? and Clayton Henry did the back cover. <laughs> is there's not like one bright spot? No. Nope. Exactly my point. So thank you, Future State. I lost hope. <laughs> and he's a Superman. And fan. I'm a freaking Superman fan. Oh my gosh. This is probably how Brandon Vietti feels after writing Future State Flash. Hope is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him win. Don't let Brandon Vietti win. <laughs> but 
to close it out, <laughs> Truth and Justice number two, that digital series now being printed. All right. Back to you, V. <laughs> great, great, <laughs> fantastic. Um, good job, DC. So, for Marvel, we're going to get The Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, number one. This one's going to be written by Simon Spurrier, and art is by Sergio Fernandez Davila. Dane Whitman is the Black Knight and wielder of the magical Ebony Blade, but the Blade's power comes at a terrible price. Dane forever bears the burden of his curse, an insatiable lust for blood <laughs> and mayhem that constantly threatens to swallow its owner in darkness. Ain't that just the way with every <laughs> cursed blade? Following the battle against the Keenan Black, a reinvigorated Dane has a greater sense of purpose than ever before. But his sword is the key to a new enemy's evil plan, and only the Black Knight can prevent the coming death and destruction. This conflict-spanning mythical Camelot to modern-day New York City will test Dane like never before and challenge everything he believes about himself, the Ebony Blade, and the entire history of the Black Knight. Yes, starring the Avengers. Who wrote this? <laughs> what, what? Simon Spurrier, probably. <laughs> <laughs> this this told me pretty much nothing in a lot of words, which, if written by the writer of a comic book, is always a bad sign. All I know about Black Knight is he <laughs> used to be like a C-list Avenger, and he's been playing a bigger part in the King and Black event because his ebony blade is said to be one of the very few things that can actually harm the symbiote dragons. Oh. And in his okay. one shot for King and Black, he had a tie in with Muse's favorite arrow and Swordmaster. This is great backstory. Thank you. You're welcome. I was thinking he sounded like one of those, like, C-list uh, Justice League members. Oh. <laughs> was he in China? He ended up in China from his Pegasus that he also rides. What's with everyone riding Pegasus? <laughs> I can understand Swordmaster a little bit because they both wield very mythical blades, but it's like, oh, let's shoehorn Arrow in there too because she's also a Chinese hero. Read King of Black, it's great. Yeah, King of Black is neat. This might be good. I don't know, Simon Spurrier. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm, He's not I'm bad. down to read, you know, Immortal sword wielding <laughs> i just i'm sorry i'm still thinking about justice league i'm thinking about that guy who gets paired up with the cowboy because oh, nobody knows what's uh, to do with them shining knight or something shiny like knight, that and vigilante black yes. knight <laughs> shiny knight and vigilante <laughs> you know what and they remind me of those two characters from night in the museum oh yes jebediah <laughs> <laughs> yep it's great so all you guys need to do listen marvel listen you get the Black Knight a buddy, and he's from the Old West, and they just have the funniest dialogue. It'll be a buddy comedy. You get, you already know you're doing a Bucky and <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about our boy Captain America. Good old Captain America. Oh, Cap. We're going to have Captain America's anniversary tribute number one. Captain America celebrates 80 years of battling tyranny this month, and what better way to celebrate than by having a cadre, I've never known how to pronounce that word, of Marvel's best artists redraw and modernize Captain America's origin and the debut of the Red Skull from Captain America Comics number one, as well as Captain's return in Marvel Age from Avengers number four. The legendary stories that change the course of comic book history are presented in an all new way for the current generation of Marvel fans. I'm interested in that for sure. 
I might pick that up. It's just artists, though, right? Yeah, the stories were already done by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Yep. Good. So it's just a reinvigorating through artists. Good. Cool beans. Sounds cheap. Good. <laughs> but you already I'm paid Kirby. the writers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do not like the current Captain America. But those Alex Ross covers are beautiful. The covers are beautiful, and I feel bad giving my Captain America away because I love the covers, but at the same time, I'm like, the interior art just mm. looks like someone smeared acrylic paint around and tried to do some impressionist painting. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't even tell if this is, like, Sharon Carter or if this is the Russian woman. They look the same. I need to read this immediately. All right. <laughs> I can talk about Alex Ross all day. Alex Ross is Dude, lovely. He is making bank. He's doing covers for Captain America, Immortal Hulk, and Iron Man. And he's self-promoing on, like, every platform known to man. He's the only artist I know who has, or comic artist I know who has TikTok. He has like a TikTok? A, yeah, he updates. <laughs> oh, my God. I knew, I knew even, like, his YouTube channel was a shock to me, but wow. He's got a TikTok. <laughs> Anyways. Captain Marvel 27 is also coming out. We're also going to get Champions number 5. Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, number three. Iron Man, number seven. Keenan Black, Spider-Man, number one. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be written by my boy, Jed McKay, and Michelle Bandini. Marvel, number six. Spider-Woman, number ten. Star Wars Bounty Hunters, number ten. Sword, number four. Thor, number thirteen. X-Force, number eighteen. Also, we get Ultraman, The Trials of Ultraman, number one. And I have a blurb for that as well. <laughs> The writers are Kyle Higgins and Mike Groom. The artist is Francesco Manna. And the blurb says, Ultraman narrowly averted a catastrophe decades in the making. The world was saved, but also forever changed. Now, dot dot dot, come the consequences. Much of the populace regard their defenders with suspicion. Enemies hide in plain sight, and even those closest to Shin Hayata don't necessarily have faith in the giant of light. But at last, a long-lost comrade has mysteriously returned. That's a good thing, dot dot dot. Right? The rise is over. What's the rise? It's all caps. The last Ultraman comic series was Ultraman, the rise of Ultraman. The training wheels are off. (laughs) This is weird. And the stakes have never been higher. The trials of Ultraman begin here. Thank you so much for never complaining about reading these blurbs. (laughs) <laughs> also, Muse, you were reading the Ultraman series, right? How was that? I only read issue one mm. because I got into it a bit late and I got like a second printing variant and then I couldn't get issue two. Oh. Um, it started out pretty interesting. Issue one is just the guy is about to become Ultraman and just gets kidnapped and taken. So I haven't actually seen Ultraman. Mm. So I'm guessing, I think it was only maybe a five or six issue series was kind of like the prequel, like the lead-in. I guess because Marvel loves their number ones, they're like, they're two separate, totally Mm -hmm. different series because one's The Rise and now this is The Trial. So we'll see if this is also going to be short and they're just going to keep renaming the subtitle every time they have a new arc. They might do that. I was just going to say, they they don't want to just keep it one title, multiple story arcs. Nope. Or maybe just (laughs) Ultraman. The number one cell, Muse. We gotta have number one every three issues. <laughs> it is the way. This is the way. The Marvel <laughs> way. Marvel method news. 
It has been getting really good reviews. That's good. Though, especially if you do like Ultraman, or if you like probably even Power Rangers, you'd like Ultraman as well. It's been on my, like, to-read list. It's just really massive. I will say, though, uh, another good one from Marvel News. I know you agree with me on this. Demon Days X-Men, written and drawn by Peach Momoko. Beautiful. At some point, I'm going to do a hijacks and talk about the cultural references behind everything. So or I, or I'm going to get cultural on this because I love talking about Japanese culture. And there was a lot. Um, that is it for this episode of the Court of Alex podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Alex. And make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye, guys.